This is Come and See by Father Ron Baird for January 23rd, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. The message is by Mother Nancy Stanton. Begins with the news that John has been imprisoned by Herod. In Matthew's chronology, <coughs> excuse me, of events, Jesus has already been baptized, has endured the 40 days in the desert, and has resisted Satan's temptations. As a result of the news about John, Jesus, in essence, begins his public ministry. I think it's kind of interesting because we look so many times at the different places where we can say Jesus began his public ministry. Um, It depends on what you mean by it. But here he begins by taking on the teaching that John has been teaching of the uh, message of repentance, preaching that message. He also starts to take on disciples or apostles to follow him. The word, (coughs) I'm sorry, let me get a sip of tea and see if we can clear this. The word for preaching in Greek is kerosene, which is the word for proclamation from a king, which is delivered by a kerix, the king's messenger. The word tells us of certain characteristics of the preaching of Jesus. First, the herald had a voice with a note of certainty. There was no doubt about his message. He didn't come with maybes and perhapses and probablys. He came with a definite message. The king had sent him with that message. Second, the herald added his voice, a note of authority. Because he was speaking for the king, he was laying down and announcing the king's law, the king's command, and the king's decisions. Third, the herald's message came from a source that was way beyond himself. It came from the king. I always am interested when somebody says, I really enjoyed your sermon this morning. Never is my sermon, ever. I've had some sermons that have so not been my sermon that I haven't really understood what I was saying. I preached a sermon one day And I had worked on this sermon for days and days and days. And I had prayed over the scripture and prayed over the scripture. And I still was shaking my head about, God, what do you want me to tell them? What do you want me to tell them? And I had some definite words, so I used those words. Three times I preached that message at St. John's. Three times in one morning. And I'm driving home. And all of a sudden, I had an epiphany. I understood exactly what God was saying. The interesting thing was is that I preached it a fourth time that night. didn't come out as well as it did when I didn't know what I was talking about. And the Holy Spirit was preaching it because I'm sure I put my own twist on it. But I don't know of very many 
people who preach, who get up and do it on their own, I wouldn't want to. When I was first ordained, the first three Sundays that I preached, I did it. And I stood here and I'm sure, until the whole pulpit was shaking. And if any of you have been to St. John's, you know how big and heavy that pulpit is. And I swear to you, it was shaking. And I finally started following Sunday, writing my sermon. And I said, God, you called me to this job. You tell me what you want people to hear. I've never shook since then. I always feel that it's not my words. It's his words. It's a message that is way beyond the source of myself. Father Ron and I have had deep discussions about this and how sometimes we get up here and have no idea what we're going to say. And we just know that it's going to be there. God is going to give it to us. The Holy Spirit is going to speak through us. So preaching speaks from a source way beyond the preacher. It's not the expression of one person's personal opinion. It's the voice of God transmitted through that person to the people. So it was that Jesus spoke with the voice of God. The second thing which Jesus did when he began his public ministry was to call his first apostles. Now, what struck me from this passage, as Matthew recounts it, is that Peter and Andrew immediately abandoned their nets and followed Jesus. And James and John do the same thing. They leave their boat, their father, people that work for them. I think this is incredible. I've read this story probably 300 times, and it's still incredible to me. If somebody just walked up to you, Ed, and said, I'm Jesus, come follow me. Would you get up and do it? Would you want to talk to Corinne at least? A little bit? Yeah. She might not like you if you just got up and followed him. wonder how Peter's wife felt. I mean, Peter just left. Left his wife at home, left his mother-in-law with her. I think it's just incredible that they got up, they left, and they followed. There's a story told about a church's custodian who found a bloody shirt and a pair of pants just laying on the altar one day. And along with the clothes was a note with the name an address, and a phone number. And the words were on there um, that listen to God. Listen to God. Well, that would be a little strange. The custodian gave them to the pastor who called the number and a young man answered the phone and admitted that he had been the one that had left the clothes. And he told the pastor that he had struggled for years and years with an addiction to drugs and that it had driven him away from his family and into all sorts of trouble. And the night before he had left his clothes, 
this young man had been in a terrible fight. He had almost killed a man. And suddenly his eyes were opened. And he looked at the wickedness of his lifestyle. Man had been taken to the hospital and he went to the hospital to make sure that he was going to survive. And then he came to the church to pray. And God answered his prayers by cleansing his heart and renewing him completely. And that night, the young man left his bloody clothes behind as an offering to God and as a symbol that he had left behind his old life. Now, most probably the apostles had not done anything of the nature of which this young man in the story had done. Something which would compel them to leave their past behind. But they definitely made a dramatic change in their lives just at a moment's notice. And they did it without hemming or hawing, without asking for time to discuss the matter. They just left it all And then there's one more thing. Jesus selected very ordinary people to be his first apostles. He didn't pick men that were of great scholarship or influence or wealth or of great social background. He chose fishermen, common, ordinary fishermen. There were thousands of fishermen around Galilee. They were all plying their trades. And yet if we look very closely at the skill of the fishermen, we'll notice certain qualities about the successful ones which will serve them well as fishers of men. First, they must be patient. Is everyone here patient enough to go fishing? My grandfather was a great fisherman, and he used to get so disgusted with me because we would go to South Dakota during the summer, and we would go up to a little place called Lake Madison, which actually one of our parishioners was born there. And when we would go up to Lake Madison, they'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and they'd go out and go fishing for breakfast women would stay behind and they'd make bread and coffee and get all of that ready. And the guys would come back and they'd usually have bullheads and they'd skin them and cook them. And it was really a delicious breakfast. But my grandpa wanted me to go with him to go fishing. And every time I would go with him, I'd grab a book. He'd say, you don't need that. You've got enough to do just fishing. Yes, I do. I can't sit. Sitting just drives me crazy. If I sit and watch television, I'm usually knitting. Sitting is just boring to me. However, to a fisherman, it's wonderful. And they will sit there and they will fish forever. You remember Max that uh, has moved away shortly, just a little bit ago. Max can tell you wonderful fishing stories 
of sitting out in the boat for hours and hours and hours. Well, I never, I never made that patience. But that's one thing that, that you do need to be a fisher of men. Because sometimes it takes a long time for men to decide, and I'm speaking of men and women, to decide that they want to become disciples of our Lord. To be a good fisherman, they must be—they must have perseverance. Fishermen are not successful every time they go out fishing. And so they must have perseverance through the good times and the bad times and not let one bad outing dent their resolve. They must have courage, just as in our own parish, Things happen that we must have courage to endure and we must go through times of grief to brave the waters is still and always has been a risky business they must have knowledge a wise fisherman knows the habits of the fish and when they are more likely to be feeding and when they won't be feeding, when they'll be sleeping. And he knows where to fish and where it would be hopeless to do so. And he must know what bait will attract which fish. They also must remain out of sight. If the fish see the fisherman, even his shadow, they're likely not to bite. Now, all of these traits are not only characteristic of fishermen, but also of fishers of men. The disciples needed all of these qualities as they carried Jesus' message to the world. They had to be patient. They had to persevere through all kinds of hardship. They had to have courage. And since their preaching would eventually cost each of them their lives, they had to have the knowledge of when to speak their message and when to be silent. And they always had to remember that their message was not really theirs, but it was really the message of God. If we take the lessons of this gospel one step farther, we see that these qualities also apply to everyone in this room. As Christians, Jesus has called us to follow him just as he called these first apostles. We are just ordinary people, just as the apostles were. And in order to live Christian lives, we need to be patient, especially when we encounter those who make our lives miserable. Ever had someone who just made your life miserable, and yet you wanted them to realize that God loved them and that they were lovable. And an interesting thing, when I was a chaplain in the prison, for some reason there was a guard there that just decided she didn't like me. I didn't even know her. I don't know why she didn't like me. But it tells us in scripture that when someone doesn't like us, we should pray for them. 
it also goes on to say that as we pray for them, it heaps hot coals on their head. But that wasn't really what I was looking for. But I did pray for her. And I eventually found out she didn't like any chaplains. Chaplains were soft and they weren't orderly like guards were. And we didn't beat people up with our mouths and with how we thought and felt. And so she didn't think that that was right. But by the time I left the prison, she is one of my best friends. And it's, it's been marvelous. In the process of all this, she was assigned to come to the chapel every Sunday night for church. And she certainly didn't want that duty. She said it was the last duty she wanted to have. But she would come and she said, I couldn't help but hear you say over and over that Jesus loved me. And I thought, why would he love me? Why would he ever, ever love me? And she said, after a while, you you sort of drove it into my head. And I decided to try it out. And by golly, he did love me. And he still does. And she belongs to a church. It's very active in the church. And she's a very wonderful person. And she has done so much for the inmates to help them to be ready to go out into the world. It's amazing what she's been able to do. And it hasn't, as she will tell you, been her. It's been through Jesus. Jesus tells her what to do and how to do it. She asks, and she waits, and she listens to hear what he wants her to do. So she's learned to have patience. She's learned to have perseverance. She's learned to endure some of the trials that she can have by waiting and listening to what Jesus says. She's learned to have courage. One of the inmates that we had name was, nickname was Black Cat. Now you can kind of get an idea of what Black Cat might have been like. Um, she had a couple murders on her dossier. It was very large. And she was scary. And one of the things that Sandy was able to do was to get her to go to Kairos. And when she went to Kairos, she met Jesus. And she has helped more women in the prison meet Jesus than probably anyone I know of. So if we are persevering, if we are patient, and if we have the courage, it's amazing what can happen. We just can't even imagine the things that can happen. We must have knowledge about the message that we're delivering. And it must be an integral part of our lives. If we aren't living a life with Jesus, how can we show someone else how to live a life with Jesus? It's an impossible thing to do. And finally, we must realize in all And I think this is the most important of everything. The message is not ours. It's not ours. It's God's. God loves each and every person in this world. Bad, good, because they are his children. And he wants all of them to come to repentance and to follow him. Now, This is a tall order for us to do. 
And many people say, oh, I just, I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. We could be asking ourselves why God would want us to. I've asked myself that a million times. Why wouldn't he ask somebody else that's better than I am, that knows more than I am, that is just a better person than I am? But maybe like the young man in our story, we have something in our past, something that we're not all that proud of. And we may feel that it disqualifies us from spreading the message of God. But if we truly are going to imitate the examples of the first disciples, the first apostles, we have to answer our Lord's call without question, without hesitation, without looking back and without counting the cost. And we have to really drop everything that we have known to follow him. And what we have to realize is when God calls us, he doesn't require a job interview. He doesn't hire and fire like most bosses because he's more like a dad than a boss. He doesn't look at financial gain or loss. He's not prejudiced. He's not partial. He's not judging, grudging, He's not even sassy or brassy. He's not deaf to our cry. He's not blind to our need. He doesn't calculate what we did five years ago or 10 years ago or even yesterday. It's not even on the record. Sure, there are lots of reasons why God shouldn't have called us. But he's called everyone in this room. Every single one. And if we are truly in love with him, if we really hunger, really hunger for him, we hunger for him more than we hunger for our next breath of air. He'll use us in spite of who we are. He doesn't care where we've been. He doesn't care what we look like. And I pray that as Christians... We'll step out of our limitations into the nature of who God is. Then our passion for God and our passion to communicate with him will make mincemeat of all of our limitations. They'll just be gone. They'll be pulverized. We're ordinary people who have been called to do extraordinary things with patience perseverance, courage, knowledge, and humility. And in calling his first disciples, Jesus knew that he couldn't spread the word all by himself. He needed others to help him. And isn't it interesting that he took one of the poorest, one of the smallest group of people that there are to spread the news when he came to the Jews and the few Gentiles that came into being and that Christianity ended up being the one religion that persevered throughout all of the years, the one religion that 
grew the most and that's still here. I know I've said these words or words like them before, but I really can't find another way to sum up all of what we are here for, for God, any better than in the words of Sister Teresa of Avila. He has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead others in his way. He has no voice but our voice to tell others how he died. And he has no help but our help to lead them to his side. All of you are called. Go and make pictures of You have been listening to Come and See by Father Ron Baird. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to Come and See.